Let me make sure. Hitting record. I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm <laughs> way more on top of my game than I was last time. <laughs> there you go. I know it's early there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've been pressed into uh, doing this uh, to get podcasts in right now because, you know, everybody's so busy. We're in season and uh, my time frame doesn't always match up with everybody else's, of course. So <laughs> are this way. The only people I have an advantage on are those like in Hawaii. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, let me get rolling here. Um, so uh, welcome to another edition of Raise the Bar, the uh, Sky High and Fly Jump Camps podcast. I'm your host, Troy Haynes. And uh, joining us this morning is Sue Humphrey. Um, Sue is uh, an, a coach who has been at this game a long time. And uh, she has had much success uh, with jumpers, uh, high jumpers in particular. Um, I got a, a message from her on uh, Facebook and she had, um, gave me a little bit of her background and told me that, uh, and, uh, that she had coached Charles Austin, who was an Olympic gold medalist in 1996. Uh, he broke the, uh, the Olympic record, seven, 10 and a half, is yet to be broken. Um, and that is also the American record is it not at this time still well it's 239 is the olympic and 240 is the american record okay who who jumped 240 for the americans charles and hollis have charles and hollis okay so uh rarefied air so that's that's uh 711 well no it's like 10 and 10 and 10 three quarters fractions yes uh -huh. yeah something like that okay so um, and also she mentioned that she had at least three at current count, uh, athletes, uh, females who have jumped two meters. And, uh, could you throw some of those names at us, Sue? Uh, well, the two, I've had three that are 198 or higher. So the top one is, uh, Colleen Reinstra Sommer, who back, that might be a name, you know, from the eighties. Uh, she was the first woman in the world actually to clear two meters indoors in 1982 in Ottawa, Canada. Okay. And uh, then uh, Yolanda Henry also cleared two meters in Italy uh, back in 91. And then uh, Angie Bradburn, when uh, she cleared it indoors also at, uh, oh, I want to say like 95 in 1995 and uh, just missed the two meter mark, but was on a a role that day for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, is there anybody that you're working with now? I, I remember last year um, I was at uh, Mount Sac and, uh, you know, at the big invite and was just kind of hanging around um, with Doug Nordquist and Alan Hankel. And we were watching the, the girls jump and uh, the women and uh, Vashti <laughs> Vashti was there, and I, right. I believe you were talking with her and and Randall. If I if if I'm missing my guess, and right. uh, I'm just, I was wondering at the time if you were working with her, and then uh, if not, who were you working with? So what's what's the latest on the the high profile athlete front for you? Well, right now, uh, Rachel McCoy was the athlete that I was there with, and she was second to Vashti at Mount Sac. Um, Rachel's kind of taking a year break right now, just some physical and just a mental break and so forth, getting ready, you know, to see how Paris goes. Right. Uh, 
it's the hard part right now is if you are not a sponsored athlete, you're, you know, you're scraping the barrel trying to get any funding. And I'm really frustrated and disappointed with USATF that our number two jumper in the nation and actually the top person at Worlds last year because Rachel beat uh, Vashti at Worlds, even though it was a one-time deal. She still has been on the Olympic team, the World Championship team, the World Indoor Championship team, and has no funding. So, you know, she's just kind of taking a break right now. And I'm working with high school uh, kids as a private coach, similar to what you do. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, we've talked about this many times on the podcast and, um, you know, with, uh, like I said, with, uh, Doug Nordquist, um, Alan Hankel, who's coach Doug and, uh, you know, other people that have been in the sport like yourself and myself for many years. Um, I'm looking forward to getting Mike Powell on and getting his opinions, Willie Banks and others, you know, and we've talked about the, um, I don't know, is it a slow death of track and field here in the the U.S.? And, you know, and uh, I've even had some people saying that it's it's starting to lose some steam even in other countries. I remember, you know, when I was at UCLA, I I was always told, man, if you can get yourself over to Europe, you know, and you can go to all these meets and they pay money, you know, and it was like, you know, you're talking to track athletes. We didn't have any money. You know, there was we weren't football players or basketball players. You know, we weren't Reggie Bush. You weren't getting payments under the table or anything (laughs) like that. Right. So it was like, man, there was none of that. And and even though we're hearing about that now, right, with these NIL deals and everything, I'm thinking there's going to be a real slow filter down effect to get any of that money to track and field athletes, you know, just because when you said funding, I think funding has to be directly related to TV and TV has to be related to people interested in watching. And we don't have any of that unless it's an Olympic year, you know? Well, that's the unfortunate thing. Now, of course, recently uh, the Atlanta street games, or I'm not sure what they were called. uh, Adidas put on a um, a TV meet, if you will, Mm -hmm. where they put together a track there on the streets and they have like 100 meters and a 150 and special events. Now, I think if we did more of that, marketing is the key thing. And unfortunately, again, USATF has done a very poor job of marketing and uh, putting forth some things. And, you know, I'm part of USATF. So, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated right now with them as we're looking toward the uh, Olympics in in 2028 in Los Angeles. And, you know, we have certain individuals that pop up and we have certain groups, you know, men's shot put. And like last year, the top women's throwers in each of the four disciplines were all Americans. Okay, well, that's great. But now what's it gonna be this year in Budapest, Mm -hmm. next year in Paris and so forth that, I'm just really concerned with the support other than these, you know, few high-flying individuals, and I don't mean that as a pun, but, you know, the the key individuals in certain event, the depth is not there, and especially once you leave college, and then we get into the whole college situation with the portal and the COVID year, which is coming to an end, luckily, um, because the NC2A has basically now going for 
older athletes or foreign athletes. So the right. U.S. U.S. teams are being coach are coaching foreigners who are then go back home to their home country during the Olympics and beat us. Right. And the thing is, USATF, most of their funding from the for the elite athlete comes from the U.S. Olympic Committee. U.S. Olympic Committee pays us by medals. Well, if we're not winning the medals because we're coaching the opposition, then, yeah. you know, where is the funding? So I think there's some radical issues that need to be addressed that people really aren't. And it's bigger. It's not just a one or two. Like I say, the whole NC2A format encouraging foreign athletes to come over, you yeah. know, and paying them to go back and beat us. Yeah. That That's a major issue. But uh you know, we're not going to take on the NC2A right this minute or one person can't take them on. Right. Well, I mean, that's been an issue forever. I mean, you look back in, um, you know, Rayford Johnson and C, it CK Yang, you know, competed at UCLA in, in 1960 and went one, two in the decathlon, right. At the NC2A right. and then went gold and silver in the world. And it was us first and, and Japan second. So there's an instance of exactly what you're saying, where, you know, if, if he, was over here and trained by the best coaches in the U.S. to be, you know, second in the U.S. at at least at the collegiate level, then that's really one of our medals, right? And that that pattern has right. done nothing but repeat over and over and over, like you said. So, and it's you know it goes around in in all the sports too. It's not just you know us, um, you know, basketball players, um, golfers for crying out loud. You know, they come over here and. You know, one of my favorite golfers, John Rahm, and he's from Spain. He came over here and played at ASU, you know, and was a great golfer and and is a great golfer, one of the best in the world. And and, uh, you know, that, that's commonplace. All, all those all those guys come over here for their education and their training. So but I don't know that USA golf is being paid by medals because right. they right. have only maybe, you know, one or two or three. I don't even know how many medals golf has opportunities, you know, if it's right at the Olympics. So, I mean, it's a, it's an Olympic sport where we really don't have a true professional comment, you know, format us, right. the team sports, you've got the NBA, the WNBA, the basketball, the baseball and all of that. So, I mean, it's more of a, you know, we're not a team sport per se, even though we have right. relays uh, it's more of the Olympic individual. It's kind of like swimming uh, yeah. with funding. Yeah. You know, and they count on track for a lot of the TV uh, visibility and so forth. Uh, you know, if you look at the Olympic format, the two weeks of Olympic Games, that first week is highlighted by swimming and women's gymnastics, mm -hmm. which are the big TV draws. And then we're the second week, which is the track, and that's the big TV draw. So yeah. it's kind of like, okay, you want us for the TV and everything, and Again, I'm not saying the U.S. Olympic Committee is necessarily doing anything wrong. It's a matter of how and who we're coaching and the fact that I understand, you know, a lot of our coaches are getting paid very well by foreign countries mm -hmm. to uh, to coach their athletes. And then it just comes back to bite us. Sure. I mean, you know, Chula Vista right now is not a tra national training center for the U.S. anymore. You go out there and look, and it's uh, Asian athletes, China yeah. and Korea athletes are out there being yeah. trained by USA coaches. So, 
yeah. you know, it's to follow the money, as they say. Sure. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, Jeremy's just doing what he can because they they cut his funding, you know, so, right. you know, and, well, I mean, that's what I say. Jeremy's out, obviously, to make a living. Sure. Totally respect and understand that. But then it's like he's still at Chula Vista. He's training all the foreign athletes who potentially will then take USA medals, which then will in turn affect the funding, which affects the USA athletes. So it's a vicious circle that, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a big project. And like I say, my concern is looking forward to 2028 uh, when we have the games in LA and we remember what 84 was like. I mean, you yeah. do, I do, you know, what a, a magical moment that was. And, I hope that it's the same, you know, in another eight years or nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I, as I watch, you know, I'm, I'm such a big fan also. And, um, you know, I, I'm a fan of a lot of sports. So I, you know, I watch right now I'm, I'm watching the Lakers every, every other night yeah. playing basketball. I'm watching, you know, I'm an avid football fan. I watch college and pro I watch golf for crying out loud. And, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but if, if, if people can watch golf, which has got to be one of the most boring sports in the world to watch and, and make it interesting. You know, if you've got guys in the camera truck that are sitting there going, Hey, you know, we, <clears throat> I know our battle right now is with these, these two guys and they're six shots in front of everybody else, but let's cut to camera 12. This guy just chipped in for Eagle, you know, and they do that very seamlessly. They just go, we're cutting to, you know, this hole and so-and-so chipped in for Eagle and they come right back, right back to the action and they're good to go. And I'm like, it can't be this hard. You know, there's 20 cameras on a, in a football field, at least, you know, they show you every angle from, you know, in five replays and all that. So, you know, when you have these cameras all over the track and you haven't just anybody who knows anything about track and field knows it's just like watching a circus, you know, there's always something going on. So you can look to your left and you're looking at the shot put ring and there's guys throwing the shot. And then you look at the other end of the stadium, there's guys throwing javelins all the way down the length of the field. And then, you're watching people run around the track and then, you know, off to the side, you got the long jump pit and it's just like, bing, 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 bing. So it's, it lends itself to not only being filmed all at once, but you can't watch it all at once. So you might as well get somebody and maybe we need to hire somebody from these other industries and, you know, lure them away and say, Hey, here's a big money contract. We need to make this sport that has incredible athletes doing amazing things all the time and show everything from, you know, the best angles and show the whole thing. You know, I, I mean, I've told this story before when they, the prime ticket people came to film our, our meets. My senior year was 86 at UCLA. And it was one of the first years for prime ticket. And they filmed us against Cal in the rain and we all got excited. We're going to watch the, the, the production that night. They turned it around. They're showing it that night. And there was not one, field event shown maybe a few results no jumps no throws that i remember you know i was waiting for me because i happened to win mike powell and i went one two and a, a buddy of mine brian mergenthal brian if you're listening go uh go brian he came in third we swept cal and in the rain they brought their weather with them we still beat them and did they show it no and they showed every lap of the men's ten thousand. thank you every lap it was amazing you know, and and no offense to the ten thousand meter runners, I'm sure it was great to watch yourselves run around in circles for, for however many laps it is, because I always lose count. But um, it was like, oh my gosh, really? This is what you guys came up with? 
And the weird thing is in 36 years, however long it's been since I graduated, it's, it hasn't changed. You know, it really hasn't very changed little, a whole lot. Very little. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they don't do split screen and, you know, because I too am more a proponent of field, you know, if I'm into the field events. So, sure. you know, I don't want to see one throw by Ryan Crowder. You know, I want to, at least with the Drake, because of all the rain, they showed several of the men's shot uh, putters because the ring was so wet, it was the water was up over their shoes. So right. that was a novelty, but then we did get to see more throws. But, right. you know, you've got all these mixed split screens and all this technology now. Why can't you do that and still keep the 24 laps of the 10,000 happy and, right. you know, show that if that's what, you know, America's public wants. But it's, you know, I think we want to intrigue the kids, too, as to youngsters coming up, as to many times you'll hear people say, you know, how did you get involved in track? And it's, well, I watched the Olympics and, mm -hmm. you know, 19, whatever, and I got caught into it and everything. And so it's like, well, why wait till every four years? Do it now. And the, yeah. there's many intriguing personalities, uh, male and female. And it's not always a negative personality, you know, the, I mean, there are many different storylines that you can bring to it. And right. Yeah, I mean, that's why I say it goes back into this marketing that you're right with the golf, that it's not always just Tiger Woods. And especially now that, uh, you know, they'll have the different scenarios based on the holes as right. to scores. Well, you know, get this in the long jump, get this in the high jump and uh, pole vault, you know, it's, there's, it's there for the making if people would take it and go with it. And yeah. it's unfortunate that they don't. Well, the, the thing you brought up an interesting point, cause I'm thinking that it, you know, again, we're purists, right? So I remember dual meets and I remember big championship meets. And I remember the the Olympics and the, the Olympic trials, you know, the drama, of the trials is almost better than the Olympics itself, right? Trying to okay. get on the team is just amazing. So and you have great stories there. You know, Vashti Cunningham makes the team as a as a high schooler, right? I believe Dwight Stones did the same thing back in 72. So you've had these, these times where there's young kids, then there's college kids, then there's the experienced guys. I mean, Edwin Moses, you know, dominated the 400 hurdles for years and years and made many Olympic teams and, you know, was world record holder, gold medalist and everything else. And so you've got this great mix um, it's almost like the U.S. Open in golf. Like you said, every year, there's always that story where they go, mm -hmm. this guy just came and qualified. He shot three rounds in the 60s and, and he gets to go to the U.S. Open. And and there's you're looking on TV and go, who is this guy? He's a mailman from Minnesota. You know, it's like he played high school golf and then he's been training on his own. And you're like, that's a great story. You know, and they have the same kind of thing in track and field. So it's like the problem is, I think, maybe as purists, we know all that. But, you know, the public has gotten worse and worse at it just because of the lack of exposure. So if they only see it intermittently, like every once in a while you catch the relays, on the pen relays, or like you said, the Drake relays, or maybe the NC2As, right? Two weeks delayed, mm -hmm. Channel 2. Um, <laughs> you know, if you can find them anymore, like sometimes I've heard the stories, people go, yeah, I can't even find it when I go look for it. You know, you can't find it on TV because that's gotten different. Let's face the truth there with cable you know, this and that I'm, I'm, uh, I was on, 
uh, YouTube TV for two or two years or so, and we just switched to Hulu. So now I'm watching uh, most of my sports on Hulu TV and I can still get the channel two and the ESPN and all that, but it's, it's different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard to find things, you know, you got to work at it. Um, it's not just like it used to be when you get to cable and you hit channel two or four or whatever. But mm -hmm. you know, when you look at all that, I'm thinking what you've said was intriguing to me, Sue, because you said something about there's no teams and there's no this. It's like it's us versus them. And so, you know, but back in the day, we used to have the U.S. versus Russia. Right. In big dual meets. Right. And, yeah. you know, I still miss dual meets are great. Like people have no idea what a yeah. dual meet is. You go, look, you take your three against their three first second and third you get five three one in points the relays are five oh and you keep scoring and you win when you win and and um you know that has its own drama um and then you also mentioned something that i found really interesting in that the street games thing because that reminds me of like american ninja warrior kind of stuff right, right. They take traveling right. show around and you've set up that exactly. thing and they got that wall that you run up. And I mean, I'm fascinated by that. I'll, I'll, when, I don't follow it week to week, but if I'm going by and I see it, I'll watch that because it's, it's exactly. And there are some pretty flipping athletic people doing things on that. Cause you're like, you can't just go out there and do that. <laughs> you gotta be no, in so good shape. It's set up the that former way, track right? athletes have been doing it. But, you know, that's what's right? sad. Yeah. <laughs> Is it some of the athletes, I, there was a pentathlete or heptathlete. Uh, oh, McMillan a few years ago I turned on I think she made the finals and probably made more money with that than she ever did making the Olympic team right in the multi-events yeah. you know and that's sad but I mean you know like pole vault has done street vaults that's been a big thing uh Bob Fraley uh back in Fresno State started it I think and right you know pole vault is a perfect thing for people to see in the street and see how high it goes Mm -hmm. uh, long jump, you can build long jump pits in a runway. You can build that up. Uh, last year at the Grand Prix, I believe, or the uh, Golden Finals the, uh, in Zurich, they built an artificial track, again, up tall, up high, and they had high jump up there. They had long jump, and they it was a weird diameter, of, or, I mean, a lap. It wasn't a 400 meters, and it was right. a weird because they had like a 5K, but it wasn't the normal route for a 5k, you know? So, right. I mean, it's, we've got to take the sport to the people and, you know, we always talk about the length of the events, you know, the track meets last forever. Well, package it. In other right. words, you know, if the American public is like a two to three hour uh, attention span right now, which I think is pretty much, you know, that's right. what NBA is. Um, you know, package that in. And I think the, for the visibility, the, the athletes would go with it is if you have alternating events or, or have some of these off events, mm -hmm. you know, the 150 or a 300, they do that at some of the indoor meets. Right. I mean, right. heck, stab indoor meets on TV, you know, and yeah. this year we had to pay to watch the indoor nationals. Why yeah. is that? Right. You right. know, so... I mean, it is so screwed up as far as, like you say, trying to find them. You know, I have to go on the search thing on on demand tra track and field series or yeah. whatever to even find stuff. And, you know, Peacock. And mm -hmm. I was at Chile this last summer for the World Youth or Under 20 Championships. And mm -hmm. that whole meet was on like nonstop every night. 
yeah. on the Colombian TV. Yeah. So, you know, it's like the other countries can do it and then it makes us look pretty bad that we can't, but then we can put cornhole on ESPN and those <laughs> national championships. Right. You know, it, it's just crazy what there's so much, I would think available time based on all these cable channels mm-hmm. that it just doesn't seem right that we're not getting into those markets. It just, yeah, somebody's not doing the job. Well, yeah, I guess that's the the biggest thing. And, you know, there's cowards everywhere in the business because you look at it in movies right now, you you can make, I just watched, I guess, the final Halloween movie, which I could have sworn I never would have done. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis has got to be older than I am now in her 60s yeah. and still doing <laughs> Halloween movies. And, you know, because Hollywood's just like, well, it's a formula. It's not broken. So people are still going to pay to see this. So we'll make it. It's safe. Right. And so... Uh, I find a lot of, again, a lot of great ideas in there, what you're saying uh, of interest, like, um, you know, being creative with these competitions and maybe is there a way to get professional athletes back in there? You know, some of the the really fast guys in the NBA or in the NFL, especially, you know, because that's happened. There's been some yeah. of those guys that have been, you know, running, right? Uh, I think the the big receiver for Seattle, uh, Metcalf, mm-hmm. he's really, really fast. And, um, you know, they used to have the fastest man in the NFL, the just the 40 times thing, you know, and it, throw the track guys in there, right? Get, get right. somebody with a little, a little creativity and uh, some marketing skill and using names, you know, that that doesn't hurt. You know, that I'm I'm terrible. I can honestly say uh, I have in the last five years kind of rediscovered my roots and started coaching and and getting back involved in all that. I didn't even know who Barshim was. I didn't know who Bondarenko was. I was just like I hadn't been paying attention for years. You know, I kind of disappeared into the background of high school track and field. I, you know, after six years of doing Orange Coast, I just got a real job like we're talking about, I had to survive and became a school teacher and and started coaching at the high school that I was working at. And was, that was pretty much it. You know, I had a couple kids go to CIF and that was that and nothing big, but, it, you know, coming back into it and finding out different names and who's done what and this and that, I'm still terrible at it. And part of the deal is it's, it's not easy over here to keep up on it unless you're totally interested and you follow everything and you're avid and, and, you know, go around through that. I think the Diamond League stuff helps, you know, and there's some publications and stuff that you can follow. But, man, I tell you that the USA track and field thing like you're talking about, that's just a crazy thing. And I think maybe greed at the top of the chain, you know, snapping at whatever crumbs are there. I mean, they're going to snap those up first. And it's not like, how do we grow this industry? It's like, how do we just corner that little bit that's there? You know, like I can make some money, but I'm not going to help anybody else. Well, that, you know, it's it's like all this big budget and everything, you know, and track is a big sport, too. And that that I think is another issue that, you know, we have the youth, we have masters, you've got uh, the road racing, the cross country. So, you know, when money's come in, they don't all go to track and field events or to track events or whatever or field events. You know, it's it's a big spectrum. And so that's part of an issue too, that the fundings get diluted. But then I'm seeing, you know, 
more people getting hired for things, but I'm not sure what they're doing out there or up there, wherever right. we are. Um, you know, I just, you know, it goes back to, again, the transparency of everything, which people have been talking about since, you know, God created a track. But um, I think the the biggest thing right now is, like you mentioned a little ago, the dual meet setup. And to try to get some of the that interest back in because USA versus Russia obviously was a big thing back with the Cold War. But now, <laughs> if we can't do something like that, at least get the collegiate scene more now with the Stanford Cal and mm -hmm. you know UCLA USC ASU U of A you know get these dual meets that are being held. And just put them up because everybody, I think, you know, across the nation, you've got some kind of a college following, you know, there might be somebody in Illinois who suddenly, well, I want to see the Bruins do this, you know, and actually, you right. know, tune in and watch it. And again, those meets, college meets can be put on in two, two and a half hours. Yeah. So, you know, you might have to do a bits and pieces of a distance event or so on. But, you know, it's it's there. Again, I, I go back to the marketing thing and it's just very frustrating that we're not picking up on that. It, there's been talk on it, but talk is cheap because nobody's sure. following up. Yeah. And, you know, people would say, well, so you're just talking about it. Well, I don't have any money to go behind it. So. Right. And I, I've been in leadership positions at USA Track and Field. So, I mean, like I say, I, I can say that I have been in, you know, track USATF. But again, the money issue seems to be changing as where where monies are going and so forth. And so that's what's hard to to follow sometimes. And that's where, again, when we have to pay to watch our indoor championship, how is that encouraging viewers other than the hardcore that'll pay to watch the meet, yeah. you know, from start to finish and watch the multis and everything else. Right. So it's, um, we, we definitely are, I think, you know, like you mentioned at the very beginning about is the sport dying, you know, I think in certain parts it is. And yet in the high school, the high school numbers are bigger than ever. You yeah. go back and look at, you know, the high school, whether it be cross country or track and field, those meets are packed. The stat, the squads are big. I mean, uh, you know, this weekend we have the Texas uh, state championship. Right. Well, that place is going to be packed to 25, 30,000. Right. For two days, you know, and yet the NC nationals are going to be here in a month. And many times you can shoot a cannon through there and not hit anybody. And that's sad. Yeah. Very sad. <clears throat> yeah. I keep thinking <clears throat> sometimes I think that uh, maybe the salvation of it is kind of like the way football has grown in the last, you know, 15 years with, um, you know, Alabama and Nick Saban, you know, winning so many championships that the, the SEC, other teams have all raised their game, you know, to even try to beat Alabama, which George has done a couple of times now. And, you know, every once in a while, somebody else will sneak through, you know, LSU wins one here and there and blah, blah, blah. But that's the SEC is a huge draw in football. Mm -hmm. And right. they're just as big in a lot of ways in basketball. So and, you know, and you look at track and field, who are the, the huge powers year in, year out? Arkansas, yeah. 
LSU, you know, Texas Florida. is always in there now. Texas could be joining the SEC here in a couple <laughs> yes. of years, right? So yeah, Georgia got a lot of great athletes down there and there's still quite a bit of interest in track and field, you know, in that area. But Herschel Walker for Georgia ran track, right, in college, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, Deion Jackson, Deion Sanders, some mm -hmm. great athletes that, that came through there. And the links to football are huge and should right. be utilized. I remember jumping against James Lott, you know, at Texas. He played free safety on the football team. You know, so you, you've always got these great connections with his daughter now, just to show you uh, life goes on. His daughter was jumping at a meet here a few months ago. Yeah. So uh, we <laughs> time passes on. But even with basketball, you know, Mike Conley, remember when they used to have those dunk contests? Yeah, on TV? I was thinking about that earlier. Conley, yeah. uh, Powell, you know, mm -hmm. we got Mike Conley Jr. in the NBA now. Yeah. And so um, Jared Allen, who's the starting center for the Cleveland Cavaliers, was one of my former jumpers uh -huh. at, at high school. Wow. You know, he was a high school jumper. And I know when he went to the combine or whatever they call it for NBA, he got such high marks on his athleticism. And I'm like, well, yeah, he, you know, he was a jumper and ran and, you know, he had coordination and right. uh, wasn't just a big guy out there. Yeah. He's very mobile if you watch him and so forth. So yeah, there's, there's so many things that <laughs> somebody just give us a few million dollars. We can uh, change the world here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was just thinking you mentioned that name. I was thinking of, all the great guys that I've watched over the years that I, you know, as a coach and an athlete, you're like, man, that guy would have been a great high jumper. You know, um, Larry Nance used to play for the Cavaliers. You mentioned his name and his son now, you know, played for the Lakers and has been traded now, but he had like a 48 inch vertical, right? At 6'10". Right. At 6'10". Yeah. Can like, you imagine? 6'10 with a 48 inch vertical. I'm like, he could have jumped eight and a half feet, you know, with a, with a little training. Who knows? I mean, Jordan had incredible hops off one and two legs either way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, it's amazing the athletes that are out there. And I think uh, you did mention that high school involvement is, is at an all time high. At the same time, I remember thinking, yes, but, and the, but is that the level isn't as high because we've lost a lot of those athletes to other sports. You know, I was, I've taken back, I, I've seen guys in the, the last few years here in California that will jump six, four, maybe make it to CIF prelims, get to CIF finals. They don't place very highly and they can still go to college and, and jump. Now they, they may not get scholarships to the big schools, but there's still scholarships to smaller schools and the NAIA and, and the smaller levels are, are offering scholarships. And so it's all just still kind of going along. I remember, you know, I jumped 6'10 when I was in high school and none of nobody in my family had ever been to college. So we didn't understand anything about recruiting or any of that. You know, 6'8 my junior year, 6'10, you know, good enough to go to state. And that year in the state, in the state of California was just loaded. Like I thought I was going to go win the state meet, which was kind of foolish at the time because Maurice Crumby was two-time defending champ and had jumped seven five at, you know, and went on to Arizona for a couple of years. John Morris from Cal was in that meet, you know, and so there were there were some really good jumpers, especially from up north that we didn't see all the time down here. But and I got to jump against John a couple of times in college when he was at Cal and I was at UCLA. But it, I mean, the talent level at the high school 
was so much higher just the year before that. Like my year was pretty good. The year before that was when Mike Powell was a senior and there was, you know, him, Anthony Care jumped seven, four, went to USC. There was Powell jumping seven, one in high school. Um, never had his mark, by the way. I, I told the story before. He would just come up to you and go, is that your mark there? And I'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That happened to me at Mount Sac. He's like, okay. And he just runs up, shuffles his feet, does whatever he has to do, and <laughs> jumps over it, and then goes, thanks, and goes running off to the long jump or the, you know, the triple jump or whatever else he was doing. So amazing athletes, right? Could do anything. Um, but yeah, I think the the participation is high, but I don't know that the level is quite as high. We do get obviously some high level out of that just by sheer numbers. I mean, we're a huge country. And, you know, once you get to the cream of the crops all the way around, you're still going to find enough people, you know, once they go to the, the colleges, like you said, the NC2A is almost like the perfect training ground. It's just like everything else. It seems like every football has college football. It, it gets everybody ready for the pros, you know, basketball. Once they're done with college basketball here in the U.S., they are ready for the pros, you know, they, they've got a perfect system for them. And now they even have the D league. So those guys can right. get drafted and sit in there for a couple of years. If they want baseball's got the same thing. Track has been that way forever. Right. And just, yeah, it's a developmental program. Definitely. And it's free. Like you're saying for the upper levels of the, of the USA, if they were really interested in having a system where, okay, this is the level you want to get to. This is the big money level. This is us versus the world. This is us versus now, again, maybe the problem is we don't have teams once they get out of college, you know? Well, no, I think the problem is right before that, when you said about, and I'll go back to my foreign athlete thing mm -hmm. and I've coached some foreign athletes. So, I mean, I'm not negative foreigners. I'm just looking at it from a global uh, perspective right now with the USA biased, obviously, that you say about the uh, colleges being available, but I've had very, in past three years, I've had three top young men who we have tried to get scholarships for and have worked toward, and I mean, I'm talking, you know, uh, uh, 6,800 uh, decathlete, uh, 25 foot long jumper, a 10 for sprinter okay and i had to even with people that i knew and connections that i had fight like crazy to even get them visits because it was easier to get with a portal to bring in foreign athletes or because the covid rollover so yeah. right now the young men in the u.s are really young high school men are really at a deficit as far as getting into college situation with scholarships. Now I'm not saying they can't get into college, right. but the scholarship issue. And the thing that, and I'm, I'm sure you see this in Southern California, is my concern also is the quality of high school coaching. You say the performances have diminished. Well, I feel the quality of high school coaching overall, overall, has diminished, especially in the field events, mm -hmm. because they are more technical, it takes more time. And a lot of schools due to economics and whatever, you know, the football coaches who, and I'm in Texas, so you can imagine, sure. the, <laughs> you know, where we are with that. But, you know, the, the track coach then is a supplementary or by, 
bipartisan or a bystanding job. You know, it's like, right. oh, yeah, well, now you're going to go coach that. And that's the way that I'm able to get so many private uh, clients, right. if you will, right. because they're coming to me, you know, they're desperate for somebody who knows what to do yeah. and knows how to coach, you know, and then it's a very political game dealing with the high school coaches. And, you know, I've been very blessed to have worked with some great high school coaches who realize and are not on ego trips and will realize, hey, we're working together for the kid. Right. I'm not trying to get my name out there. He's still wearing your shirt, your school shirt, you know. Oh, yep. uh, but it's it's battle. It is a battle. The women have it a little easier right now just because the number of scholarships Mm -hmm. that are available due to the title nine and due to football numbers and so forth. Right. Right. So, you know, there, there's so many different things we go as to coaches, education as to uh, like you mentioned, other sports are pulling the kids away. You know, we've got uh, heck I'm out here fighting lacrosse balls all the time at the high jump pit because <laughs> I'm flying across. It's not, you not know? just me. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I and those little balls are really good for uh, pressure points. So, yes, you know, they, they don't pick up all their equipment. <laughs> we uh, tend to borrow it. But uh, yeah. no, seriously, the um, you know, it every weekend there's soccer games, there's lacrosse, there's all this stuff, you know, yeah. going on. And so uh, I think, you know, the market is only so big and these poor kids, my gosh, some of them are on schedules that are unreal yeah. uh, at age 12, you know, that it's there's their life is not theirs, you know, it's going it from crazy. one bus to another. So, you know, I think back in the golden day, it was much easier because everything was just like football, basketball, baseball, track, maybe tennis, golf, you know, there was much yeah. more of. Yeah, lack of variety, if you will. Yeah, uh, because track is track is so open that you know there's so many opportunities. You don't have to be really that fast in certain events. I mean, you right. have to have skill or you have to be strong, but you know you can pretty much, if you really want to, find an event that you can do. Uh, you know, you see this with the masters. I mean, it's so cute watching some of these masters that have gone around and, you know, weren't really good high school, college athletes, but yeah. now at age 70, they're, you know, world champions. Or right. Whatever. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I thought about that a, a few times. I just had, um, uh, Cynthia Monte Leon was on, uh, just last week. She's, uh, she's, she's on Instagram. Sure. Her, her tag is fast over 40. So she ran 400 meters as fast at age 43 that she had as a D1 athlete, she said, which oh, was wow. pretty amazing. Um, she's a big uh, proponent of, uh, you know, she does a lot of work with metabolism and, um, you know, supplements and stuff like that. So pretty interesting. But um, yeah, that that area. And then, you know, we've also got a, a great, um, I, I love what's happening with the Paralympic uh, movement. I really mm -hmm. enjoy watching these guys and and would love to see them get uh the same kind of i i guess actually a better one than what we have now but it, it would be great i remember being upset that they were pushed off you know a, a month later you know to do the olympics i'm like well aren't we big enough to to mix it all together you know just say hey we've got the you know 
because it, it's crazy, right? I mean, it's it's a big gala anyway. If you can make me wait four years, why do I have to get it all done in two weeks? You know, why don't we just yeah, true. <laughs> why don't we just space true. it all out? You know, and mix in the the Paralympians with everything else. And I I know that there's problems with it because there's so many divisions that they have, you know, and uh, that is you know, a small problem for them. But um, well, what else we got? Um, I was going to ask well, you. Let me let me just insert Go one ahead. thing there, which is ironic. I know two or three Paralympians that are on the national Olympic team and so forth, their funding for their athletes is better than ours for our able-bodied, our top right. ones. Yeah. So why is that? You know, that, yeah. and I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. Well, it's just, I, it's amazing because, you know, the other thing we, we've talked about a few times on the podcast as well with others. And if you're, you're tuning in now, for some reason in the middle, this is uh raise the bar with uh, Troy Haynes and I'm, I'm talking with Sue Humphrey, um, a longtime coach of, of many uh, Olympians, uh, Olympic record holders and, and uh, high flyers of all kinds, not just high jumpers either. So, um, but we're, you know, the, I lost my train of thought with trying to get the plug in. Um, what was I talking about before that? Let's see, we were talking about Paralympians and then, uh, I think you were ready to close. And I said about the funding for Paralympians the funding uh, is, is yeah. pretty good. Um, well, it left my brain. It's just one oh, of those things sorry. that happens. You get older. That's all right. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll pound. <laughs> this is the way my brain works. It'll come back at the weirdest time. It'll you bug me it. until it does. <laughs> um, well, I did want to ask you, Sue, um, uh, and more along the lines of the, the job that we're both doing with this, you, you mentioned the fact that there aren't as many uh, high level coaches and, you know, that that uh, you've got a reputation, obviously, if if someone's, um, you know, around you or they're, you know, they've they've heard something, they're going to look you up. Um, and with your your athletes now, when you're training, I, I've just seen such a huge boom the last couple of years. And this is me getting back into it and also knowing enough about it to be dangerous, but then um, being on Instagram and seeing so many things pr proliferate, right? I'm seeing a lot of speed, agility, explosive power trainers, you know, um, guys like Adonis Harrison, you know, I, I follow him for a couple months. He had a hundred thousand followers and all of a sudden he's got 300,000 followers, you know, and wow. doing real, you know, and when you watch his stuff, he was, I guess he started off as a trainer at UCLA. But when I, when I see his stuff, I, I immediately, I was like, oh, I really like this. You know, I'm, I'm watching as simple as what looks like an A drill, you know, stepping up onto a box or exploding up onto a box and, you know, then other ground drills. So I saw him sitting on the ground with his legs straight out in front of him, just picking one leg up and over like a, a dumbbell, you know, working on the hip flexors. I'm like, I can use that. You know, I'm I'm that guy that goes, I need to implement that somewhere, you know, so I'll, I'll just make a copy of it. I'll stick it in my save files right. on, on Instagram and just, you know, find a place for it, my training. So I guess my question is with your your success, what how when you're training your athletes for an explosive event like the high jump, which we both know last five to seven seconds max, depending on who you're training, sometimes four, you know, um, and that's with flight time and everything included. Um, where do you find is the most important areas? Is, is it strength through the weight room? Is it plyometrics? Is it, you know, what is it that, that you're doing that gets your athletes to jump so high? 
I think is some of it is obviously genetics and they've got quick reaction and, you know, or can be trained to the quick reaction, mm -hmm. which is where your plyometrics and speed come in. Um, I think in some cases, depending on the age and the maturity of the athlete, understanding what they're supposed to be doing with physics, you know, like we're talking high jump. I mean, high jump, it's like, well, why am I running a curve and why am I supposed to be leaning and why am I doing this? And, right. you know, and, and that's where you've got to be very careful because you can overload a kid real fast. Um, I had a new young man come out the other day and his dad you know, pulled me to the side and said, okay, just give him one thing at a time. Don't overload him because he gets too confused. And I'm like, great. Thank you for sharing that. You know, right. and then I've some ADHD kids out there that are just, you know, all over the place. So you've got to know the kid and know what they can handle. But uh, I focus a lot on the approach initially, obviously, and how and what positions they're supposed to be in in those last few steps right because it's totally different than almost any other event they're going to deal with because most of them have not thrown the javelin and the javelin is a similar uh plant and so forth right but there's not the carry over there unless they're a multi-kid but you know i get a lot of kids that come for long jump triple jump and high jump and it's it's kind of ironic because i say okay remember everything i told you about high jump last hour forget it because now we're at long jump and now yep. I've got to tell you to do things a little differently. So um, I think, you know, it's keeping it simple and yet scientifically solid, you know, is, and that's where the coaching comes in. Know what you're coaching and learn it. There's enough stuff out here. Now, sometimes you have to be dangerous with the YouTubes and the Instagrams because anybody can post anything. But right. if you find some solid people, because I do the same, like what you're saying is seeing different drills and different uh, coaches that I follow. And, you know, some of that stuff is fantastic. But knowing when and where to put it in your program yes. is important because it's not like, OK, I saw it today. Tomorrow we're going to do this. Right. And it's something totally negating what you did yesterday. So that's where coaches education comes in. And I'm a very big proponent of that. Uh, I teach USATF level one schools. We've got one coming up in a few weeks. And so I think, you know, that's my big pet peeve back to the high school coaching situation is you've got a handful or more than a handful, you know, coaches in each area or each state that really know what they're doing and really care to learn that are considered track coaches and not, oh my God, I've got to be a track coach. Right. But the, uh, the coaches that are not taking that extra time to learn the events. And as a result, these kids don't know what the heck they're doing. Yeah. And then it either frustrates them or their parents or, you know, the progress isn't there. And that's when you and I get them. And so then, you know, we have to break the bad habits and get them yes. back to just basics. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's funny too. You mentioned the difference just in the three jumps, you know, and I'm like, I, I keep telling my my kids and I say kids, I've I've got I think as young as six too. or seven now and then all the way up to to you know the elite levels with Barb. But um, you know, I, I tell them like, look, I can see you've worked as a sprinter or a hurdler because you're you really are leaning forward as you get going, you accelerate. And I'm like, and that's great. 
I go, I want speed. I think speed is the overriding factor. You mentioned it right away. You know, if you're going to jump really, really high, men or women, as a rule, we're going to need to go pretty fast, you know, mm-hmm. and even you get into the argument of power versus, you know, the the power jumper versus the speed jumper. I'm like, I don't think that's accurate simply because, you know, power literally is force times velocity. So inside of a power formula, I've got an additional way of looking at power, which is force production and speed, right? And they they work together. Although that, you know, the force velocity curve is a whole nother thing, right? But um, when I, I tell them that, I go, look, everything you're learning about all this other stuff is great when we're sprinting. And I said, when you're a long jumper, you're running down the runway. I don't care if you're leaning forward. I can still get you to lean back a little bit right at takeoff. But in the high jump, man, you're leaning forward and towards the bar, it's death, you know, and yeah. I've said, I've got to teach you how to run fast, but I go, you almost need to forget everything you've learned about sprinting and hurling and everything else when you come over, because I want you to run tall. I want mm-hmm. you to be taller than you are. And I especially tell that to the ones that are short. I say, okay, what are your gifts? You're fast, you're flexible, you're this. I go, you're vertically challenged. Let's just face it. You're five, six. You know, if you're not six feet or six, four, it doesn't mean you can't jump. It just means you're going to have to overcome some things. Right. Yeah. And you look at these guys, Barshim's what, six, four, six, five, 150 pounds looks like dripping wet, yeah. Yeah. you know, skinny arms, you know, the whole thing. Bondarenko doesn't look real muscular. He's real tall, you know, Brown was the same way. And yeah, there's Charles a- is only six, one. Charles is six, right? one. Conway wasn't real tall either. And then no. neither was um, Stephen Holm. Right. Stephen Holm's an outlier. 5'11", jumps 7'11". Um, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. I'm like, I, I need you to get tall. It's going to be easier to get your stuff up in the air if you're running tall. So, you know, that's, it's funny because we're, we're doing the same thing. It's like um, that the run through, I just started training this gal yesterday at uh, Santa Monica High School. Uh, Tanya Fisher is one of my, um, she was on the team at UCLA when I was there and she's the head coach there. Great working relationship. And uh, I walked out yesterday and there's this tall kid just standing around and I go, she looks like a high jumper. And the coach goes, oh yeah, well the girl Zinnia that you coached that went to CIF, that's her younger sister. And I'm like, oh, perfect. So, and I'm just, I was there for somebody else. And then all of a sudden Tanya grabbed her and threw her over there and we started you know running her through and i think she ended up jumping like four three but i i turned her into a single armor and you know from the left side and just said all i kept saying to her is i go you've got three gifts that i like how tall are you she goes i'm five nine i go beautiful you're five nine i said you run the 800 yes you run the 800 so you're fast and you're flexible i said we got it all i said so now all i gotta do is teach you how to run this curve and you know, let that arm go. <laughs> and she's, right, she right. started picking it up, you know, crazily enough. I'm like, uh, it's so much fun to watch that stuff come together. Um, no, it is because like Yolanda Henry, one of my two meter jumpers, she's only five, six. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she held the Guinness Book of World Records for standing versus jumping height there for several years. Right. So you don't have to always be tall, like you're saying, is that explosiveness and being able to convert it. Sure. Which, you know, is a God gift talent and can be trained. Absolutely. Yeah. That uh, that's one thing. I don't know. I'm sure you've had this experience, but uh, so many years of coaching, 
you know, especially on a high school team or something. And, you know, sometimes these kids don't know what they want to do or they think they want to be a sprinter. So they try the sprinters workouts for a week and they do not, they can't sprint. And then they go over and they try something else. And it seems like they always end up at the jumps last and you've watched <laughs> them bounce and they finally come over and they go, I, I think I want to try the jumps. You're like, okay. And I'm the bars like at four feet or something. I'm like, show me what you got, you know, and they run up and crash. And I'm just like, yeah, not, not your event. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to say, I, I'll go, you're, you're fired, you know, in the nicest way I can, but uh, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you're right. Be a manager. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, Sue, um, last time you brought up your, your book, I don't know if you happen to have a copy sitting there again. Um, see, look at that. She's uh, she, just happened to. Yeah. Well, do, do a little pimping for your book. Let's hear about it. Okay. Well, uh, mainly this is a beginner's guide for a middle school, young high school athlete who wants to learn about track events. It's not field events. It's just track events. And I take every track event, give a little bit of history, how to do it, uh, some sample workouts and so forth. The book is on Amazon. Um, and it'll go through a little bit of history of the sport, of the Olympics, and then all of the different track events, relays, hurdles, and so forth. And at the end, some of what I consider to be the off-the-track activities like nutrition, uh, sleep, academics, you know, what if you do want to go to college or, mm -hmm. you know, in advance past high school, what is it going to take? And so uh, just it's to me, it's a good beginner's guide for parents whose kids suddenly want to be in track for a youngster it's an easy read it's a you know full of facts and information but it doesn't get bogged down in a lot of technical you know scientific type things right uh, so again i highly recommend it it's gotten some really good reviews from a variety of of people that it's a again a good beginning guide if you're just wanting to get involved and uh, kind of <laughs> intro to what you're in for uh, if you want to become a, a track athlete. Okay, great. So yeah, well, again, um, it's on Amazon. I appreciate that. I want to yeah. run. That does that. Now you say it hits all across the spectrum. You're hitting all the events. All the track events. Uh, I do even the three k. Wow. So I I go from the hundred to the three k. Uh, 5k area all the relays even the four by uh eight relay um the hurdles all the different hurdles you know whether it be 300 400 or the the 100 uh 50 meter hurdle 80 meter hurdles wow. and so, so wow. all the track events yes that's that sounds like more than a, a small book that sounds like an encyclopedia <laughs> <laughs> well again i it's an intro so I explain the events, how to train for them, uh, how to set up starting blocks, how to set a relay zone, um, you know, and it's new enough that it still has the 30 meter relay zone now, not, right. you know, 20. So, um, and that's, it's easy. I hope to remember that I want to run versus jumping or throwing or okay. anything. So field that's events are next up, I think. Okay. So, oh, we're looking at a series. I love it. Um, so yeah. that's interesting. You said a 30 meter pass zone. Is that something that's just happened in the last few years? Like I'm I'm the ultimate, I'm looking only at my jumps and don't notice anything else. Like when I'm at the meet, I'll see the kids looking around 
and watching the relay go by and I'm like, what are they looking at? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a relay going on. You know, I'm, I'm busy watching the jump. So um, there's a longer passing zone now. Right. Well, you know, it used to be a 20 meter passing zone with a 10 meter fly in, if you will, or international zone, we called it uh-huh. and where they could, where the incoming runner would be coming in and the outgoing runner would have a little bit more of a head start to get going. But then you couldn't pass the zone until the solid line, which was the beginning of the 20 meter. Right. Well, now they took it out. And one of the jokes is they did it for the U.S. men to keep dropping the baton, but I don't think <laughs> that's the reason the Europeans did it. Right. But uh, they took out that 10 meter international and the 20 meter and just put it all together. So now you have on most tracks, it's like a little yellow triangle, which right. was the start of the international zone. So now your outgoing runner starts there. And then he or she has till the end of the 30 meters, which is a thicker line on the right. track to right. get the baton. And it's still, you know, the baton, not the athlete. Right. It's moving. And it, um, my, my question was, it just popped in my head. Has it affected any records? It seems to me like you could maybe hide a weak leg somewhere, you know, either your, your anchor or, you know, if you want someone who's a little faster for longer, you could have them run, you know, maybe that third leg, right? I don't know. How does that, how does well, that? Actually, second, yes. Second? second leg is where you can kind of manipulate it a little bit uh-huh. uh, to quote the longer leg. Uh, but it really hasn't affected any records in answer to your question. No okay. world records have been set uh, since it went in. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is as you get athletes and get to know them and they get working together, uh, a savvy coach can work and manipulate a little bit so that your incoming runner maybe runs a little less. Yeah. You know, early handoff, a late handoff. Yeah. So it does give you a little more flexibility in that regard. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking, I, I love all the little nuances that come in. Um, well, hey, Sue, it's, I'm getting ready to, to teach my first period class. Uh, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Um, especially being in a couple time zones after. Um, best of luck as you get rolling you. these big and bigger and better meets as we're going along here. Um, and uh, I want to uh, just again with the thanks, want to keep the lines of communication open. I have um, millions of questions um, and would be foolish not to ask them from someone who's had so much success and and coached so many great athletes at high levels as you have. Um, let's let's get this sport healed up and uh back to its place preeminence right, right. in, in, in uh, the world i'd i'd love to see that uh, um the goal for you know having the olympics here in 2028 with um you know mount san antonio college as beautifully as they've redone it and all that nike money i'm hoping that they want to try to move the the trials down there in 2028 and then have yeah, the games nice. here in la it just like you said, it could be just a huge, huge thing. And, and, you know, we only have five years <laughs> to get ready. Right. Right. So. right. No, I, I definitely do. And I appreciate the opportunity uh, to share some ideas with you and uh, definitely look forward to chatting more. We, All right. We'll get this worked out. <laughs> All right. Great. Again, Sue, thanks so much for your time. Good luck. And we'll talk soon. 
Uh, okay. It's all Thank about you. those great exploits. All right. There we go. Sounds good. Right. Thanks, Sue. Thank you.